Thank you for listening to the Society of Critical Care Medicine's iCritical Care Podcast. The iCritical Care Podcast is copyrighted material and all rights are reserved. Statements of fact and opinion expressed in this podcast are those of authors and participants and do not imply an opinion on the part of the Society of Critical Care Medicine or its officers or members. Your host is the Society's Associate Editor for Podcasts, Dr. Richard Savell. Dr. Savell is the Associate Director of the Surgical Intensive Care Unit at Maimonides Medical Center in Brooklyn, New York. He also is an Assistant Professor of Medicine at the Mount Sinai School of Medicine. To contact the editorial staff of the iCritical Care Podcast with questions, comments, or ideas, please email info at sccm.org. Hello and welcome to the Society of Critical Care Medicine's iCritical Care Podcast, recorded Tuesday, March 14th, 2006. I'm your host, Dr. Richard Savell. In today's podcast, we will be speaking with Jean-Louis Vincent, MD, PhD, FCCM, regarding one of his recently published articles in Critical Care Medicine, entitled, Does Dopamine Administration in Shock Influence Outcome? Results of the Sepsis Occurrence in Acutely Ill Patients, or SOAP, Study. The actual reference is Critical Care Medicine, 2006, Volume 34, Issue 3, page 589. Professor Vincent is head of the Department of Intensive Care, Erasmus Hospital, Free University of Brussels in Belgium, where he is Professor of Intensive Care Medicine. In addition, he is chair of the International Sepsis Forum and, for 26 years, has helped to organize the International Symposium on Intensive Care and Emergency Medicine. Dr. Vincent is also a past president of the European Society of Intensive Care Medicine and the European Shock Society. Thank you very much, and bienvenue. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It's a pleasure. I thought we'd begin, if I could, just to sort of give the 30,000-foot view of the, uh, of the study and just briefly summarize it and then get into a discussion. Um, and again, please interrupt me if I'm making a misstatement, but here we go. So this was a, a multi-center observational uh, cohort epidemiology study of sepsis in Europe, and this particular manuscript uh, was a subgroup analysis with the stated goal of being to determine if dopamine administration per se had an influence in the outcome of shock. You looked at approximately 3,147 patients admitted to uh, about 200 or 198 intensive care units for a two-week period in May of 2002. Sounds like a busy couple of weeks. Approximately 34% of those patients had shock and 15% had septic shock. And in terms of just uh, a summary of the results of this particular study, the dopamine group had a higher ICU mortality and hospital mortality. And then finally, a multivariate analysis was performed with ICU outcome as the dependent factor. And the variables that came out in the wash, uh, if you will, as being independent risk factors for ICU mortality in patients with shock included age, cancer, MICU admission, higher mean SOFA score, higher mean fluid balance, and finally, as is emphasized uh, throughout your manuscript, dopamine administration. And uh, with that as the background, I thought we might begin by having you share with us a little bit about the history of the development of the SOAP study and uh, perhaps its, uh, its history. Yeah, well, the, uh, the SOAP uh, network uh, was put together by the European Society of Intensive Care Medicine. We felt that we should try to work together at the European level. And I immediately jumped in this uh, wagon because I think 
uh, it is very important to work at an international level in Europe. And, you know, I come from a relatively small country, and I'm concerned when I see the relatively large networks taking place in France, in the UK, or in Germany. Uh, I really feel that we should work more together at the European level. And I was very pleased to see that uh, people really uh, liked the idea, and it was a fantastic effort of international collaboration. I should emphasize that the investigators were not paid by any way to participate in this study. We received some industry support, but it was just for logistic support. The investigators did not receive one dollar or one euro to participate. So it was really a, a, a superb result, and it shows that people are really ready to work together. Is this the first kind of international network uh, of this sort? Well, no, not really. We have already worked together for the SOFA study when we evaluated the uh, degree and the severity of organ failure in, in Europe. For the SOFA study, there were a few centers outside Europe, but the vast majority uh, of the centers were European. Also, we did the ABC study, anemia and blood transfusion in the critically ill, whose results were published in the JAMA several uh, years ago. And, um, and uh, this uh, was actually looking at, uh, at anemia. And before that, we did the EPIC study. We also published the data in the JAMA, I think. I think about 10 years ago, it was also a very wide study with no financial uh, reward whatsoever. And as far as I could glean from the paper, there appeared to be uh, the types of hospitals involved was uh, all over the map, right? Large, small? Absolutely, absolutely. And it's in interesting to see that a number of people working in small hospitals are really keen to participate because usually they do not have their own studies and, and they are really uh, keen to participate in multicentric studies. I think it's an important point. I thought um, uh, we would start by discussing some of the details of the paper itself. And one of the questions I wanted to ask you was, um, dopamine has been used for years as a, as a primary pressure in shock and was recommended in the recent consensus statement from the Society of Critical Care Medicine. And why do you think it's only now that there may be hints that this may not be as safe as was thought before? Well, I think the answer is relatively simple. It is that we have never evaluated it uh, properly, and um, so people have not really looked at it, because to find out about these potential differences, you need to enroll quite a large number of patients in your study, and this has not been uh, possible before. So I think that's how it emerged from the uh, vast uh, SOAP study. As sort of a follow-up to that, um, when I was looking at the results of your paper, it, the multivariate analysis looked at all shock, septic shock, and non-septic shock, and uh, dopamine appeared to be associated with increased mortality if you had uh, the, the group as a whole, all shock, and septic shock, but not other causes, which I would imagine would be primarily either cardiogenic or hemorrhagic. And did you want to comment on this? You share your expertise, why you think that might have been that way? Well, that's uh, that's more difficult. Uh, the 
the reason may be that numbers are getting too small or rather not large enough. When you look at shock of, uh, of any cause, of course, you are dealing with a much larger number of patients. Likewise, when you look at septic shock, and as you say, when you start to look at other causes of shock, you have a more heterogeneous group. There may be cardiogenic shock, as you say, hypovolemic shock, maybe obstructive shock. And so we may deal there with, uh, with smaller subgroups. And uh, I guess as a follow-up to that, um, I, I, it's a two-part question. In, in your paper, you comment in a, in a very nice way on some of the potential mechanisms behind this association, as you mentioned, as you mentioned, tachyarrhythmias, potential decreased gut perfusion and renal perfusion, as well as uh, dopamine causing a reduction in release in hormones of the anterior pituitary. And my questions were you... Could you make some comments on these possible causes, which you think are more likely? And second of all, when you saw these results coming out, were you personally surprised or were there hints from other areas that this might be one of the issues? No, we were we were surprised. Uh, the, the entire group was surprised, even though, as you mentioned, there are some suggestions that dopamine may be a less desirable agent than uh, norepinephrine. In particular, the studies by Vandenberg uh, here in Belgium uh, have shown that dopamine may influence the uh, immunological response and the hormonal response of the individual. Now, I must emphasize that this kind of analysis here is uh, primarily supporting a hypothesis, but it's not the definitive proof that dopamine has deleterious effects. So from these results now, we are conducting a prospective, randomized, controlled, double-blinded study evaluating the effects of dopamine versus norepinephrine as a first agent in, in shock. And that study is already well underway. We have actually enrolled more than 1,000 patients in that study. Again, with the same SOAP group of investigators, we thought that from this epidemiological study, we needed to go forward with a, uh, a RCT, a prospective randomized controlled trial. So again, it's hypothesis generating, yeah. interesting and important. Yeah. Um, but as you're saying, you're using the infrastructure that you're building up uh, with yeah. this network to help do a randomized trial. Exactly, exactly. One of the other areas and what appeared to be a result that appeared to be uh, fairly robust was, again, this issue of age coming out as a marker of poor prognosis in the ICU. And again, it's still uh, somewhat challenging as an intensivist where the data is coming out that the older you are, the more likely you are to, A, develop sepsis, and B, unfortunately, succumb to sepsis. But nevertheless, recent important work published by you and others like Wesley and Greg Martin showing that there should not be age bias because these patients still seem to respond appropriately to aggressive interventions. And I was wondering if you could share some of your thoughts on this topic. Yeah, I think that uh, this is very uh, thoughtful indeed. Uh, age is a very important prognostic factor. We all know that, but it appears indeed uh, quite clearly from that type of, uh, of study. But as you indicate, it doesn't mean that we should, um, we should uh, limit our treatment in uh, elderly patients because uh, some of them, especially when they have limited comorbidities, can survive and, and have uh, a life of good quality for a number of years. So uh, age is often 
uh, intertwined with other disease states. Uh, of course, when you when you are getting older, you may also have uh, a number of other problems, maybe a cancer coming up, maybe heart failure, coronary artery disease, and so forth. So we need to look at the entire context and, uh, and consider the individual as a whole. And uh, if indeed the elderly patient has a number of comorbidities associated with it, then we must really reconsider the intensity of our efforts. But if this elderly patient does not have major comorbidities, uh, of course, we should, uh, we should uh, develop all our enthusiasm and energy to try to save that particular individual. One of the other points that you mentioned in your paper was that there was significant international variability in which particular vasopressors were used. And uh, I was wondering if you could comment on this and, and perhaps, I, I guess, papers like yours and potential randomized trials in the future might decrease some of that heterogeneity. Is, is that sort of the idea there? Yeah, well, it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a quite interesting point because maybe some people may criticize variability and say, well, we should avoid that kind of variability. And personally, I am not necessarily convinced about this. Uh, I don't think that we should necessarily all treat patients in exactly the same manner. If there is no evidence that one form of therapy is superior to the other, then the choice should be left to the clinician. And, uh, but indeed, in some European countries, there are some opinion leaders who would very strongly advocate uh, the use of dopamine or the avoidance of, uh, of the use of that uh, particular agent. And I, I am personally against these two strong uh, statements. Mm, you know, if there is, again, if there is no strong evidence that one agent is superior to the other, we should leave some, uh, some freedom to the, uh, to, to, to the clinician. And, and, I, and I think that's what, uh, what leads to international variability. In, in some countries, some agents have a very bad reputation. But you may find it for other aspects of uh, intensive care medicine. For instance, the mode of mechanical ventilation. You may find that in one country, they use more BiPAP than in another country. In one country, they use more pressure control. And in the other country, more volume predetermined uh, mechanical ventilation. So th th there are some regional uh, aspects to it. And they are not necessarily, uh, you know, entirely wrong. So, so again, uh, as has come up many times in the podcast, trying to develop the field of evidence-based critical care uh, to perhaps determine when the variability is okay and perhaps when uh, more structured protocols may be a benefit to the patient. And that's sort of a story in progress. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's what I will present in my opening comments at the symposium next week. Uh, it, it is that... Uh, when we look at all RCTs in the field of intensive care medicine, the vast majority of them are actually negative. There are very few prospective randomized control trials in intensive care medicine which have resulted in significant uh, differences. Uh, it's, it's quite interesting, but that's what it is. So when we have to develop guidelines for therapies, we must be relatively humble and indeed acknowledge that we are still left with many, many questions and many things to study, indeed. We're sort of nearing nearing the end, and I guess I had a couple of questions. One last one was, I, I thought I read in the paper 
that there was, uh, and again, maybe this is, is, is too much of a detailed question, but it, you, you mentioned something about dobutamine use, and I know you, that you are a proponent of that when it's appropriate, but that also appeared to be more common in non-survivors than survivors, and uh, is the implication there that perhaps if patients were sick enough to require dobutamine, uh, you were more likely to die from sepsis, or, or maybe if you could comment on that? You are right that dobutamine use was more common in non-survivors than in survivors, but it's probably due to the fact that they were sicker because by a multivariable analysis, dobutamine administration did not come out as a prognostic Ah. uh, factor. So it doesn't seem that dobutamine per se was associated with worse outcomes. It's probably that dobutamine use was a marker of... uh, more severe uh, disease severity. Great. Um, uh, Thank you. I guess uh, we would conclude today by letting you comment if you feel there are any clinical implications directly now before the randomized trial comes out um, and sort of your personal opinion looking at a paper because because it is such a large paper that it has fairly powerful statistical significance and so then what should the average intensivist do uh, looking at this manuscript? Yeah, I think we should be careful before changing our practice too rapidly uh, because, uh, again, this is hypothesis generating and we need now to do the proper prospective randomized control study. And so far, we have enrolled 1,000 patients in the study and the differences in, in outcome are not large enough to motivate the end of the study. Uh, so we, we, we must continue to enroll more patients in the study before we can conclude. So uh, I, I think what we must say now is that we must be cautious with the use of dopamine, and uh, there is clearly no evidence that dopamine is a superior drug to norepinephrine or maybe epinephrine because, you know, in France, they did uh, another study recently completed comparing epinephrine to norepinephrine with no real difference in outcome. Maybe the outcome was a little worse in uh, in epinephrine, in the epinephrine group, but the differences were uh, far from statistically uh, significant. You know, we must be, we must be cautious not to jump too rapidly on, uh, on, on, on this kind of results. Uh, look now at the blood sugar story. We felt that we needed to control blood sugar closely after the Vandenberg study. But again, at our symposium, there will be a lot of discussions about this because now the German group show that tight blood sugar control does not improve outcome in severe sepsis and septic shock. And there is a large study in Europe on this, which is about discontinued for lack of difference between the two groups. So blood sugar control uh, may not necessarily be the uh, uh, the important thing either. And so uh, th- th- there are a number of, um, of, of, of elements uh, like this that, uh, that tell us that we should not jump too rapidly to uh, definitive conclusions. So I would really like to see the results of the uh, RCT on dopamine versus norepinephrine before we can really make more definitive statements. Well, you certainly uh, 
packed a lot of <laughs> really important stuff into that last couple of sentences. <laughs> um, the other things that I, I think we won't have time to talk about today, but that I did just want to mention was that, as you mentioned to me earlier, there are some other very important publications that have come out as part of the SOAP study, and we'll try and mention those on the website. Um, yeah. But uh, there have been, uh, it seems to me that the themes that I've learned in today's podcast are that this very important network has been developed in Europe with a with a slightly different paradigm from uh, networks like the ARDSnet, but still very effective in developing important uh, critical care data across Europe, dealing yeah. with a lot of the heterogeneity, but dealing with it in a positive way, and that the, pr- the preliminary hypothesis-generating results from this study is that potentially... Uh, in this study, it appeared that the use of dobutamine, uh, uh, dopamine compared with other pressor agents was a marker for poor outcomes, leading to the same study, the same network doing an important randomized trial. Absolutely. That's a very good summary. We've been speaking today with Professor Jean-Louis Vincent, the head of the Department of Intensive Care Medicine, Erasmus Hospital, Free University of Brussels in Belgium. Thank you so much for being with us today. This concludes our podcast for Tuesday, March 14th, 2006. Look for future podcasts featuring a wide variety of information important to critical care practitioners, including interviews with authors and discussions with prominent members of the critical care community. If you have comments, questions, or ideas for future podcasts, please call the Society of Critical Care Medicine's audio feedback line at 1-847-493-6498 to share your thoughts. Critical Care Medicine is the official journal of the Society of Critical Care Medicine, offering the latest information about critical care to healthcare professionals. Members of the Society of Critical Care Medicine receive a free subscription as well as other benefits. For more information, visit www.sccm.org. Thanks again for listening. Stay up to date on advancements in the critical care profession by attending the Society of Critical Care Medicine's new educational series, Critical Care Academy, giving you tools to increase your critical care skills and knowledge. Critical Care Academy features the adult and pediatric multi-professional critical care review courses on July 18th through the 22nd, 2006. Prior to the review courses, take part in the new Clinical Strategies and Skills Simulation in Pediatric Critical Care or the expanded American Board of Internal Medicine Critical Care Self-Evaluation Process Module Review on July 16th through 17th to enhance your board review process. Tailor your learning experience to suit your specific needs at one convenient location, saving you time and money. Register today to guarantee your course selections by speaking with a SCCM customer service representative at 1-847-827-6888 or visit www.sccm.org.